Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. twice a week. Five, two. Okay, I stand corrected. Super One does sell Twinkies. There was a hostess display a couple of miles down from the Little Debbie's. Two packs and ten packs. And I know usually we do days of the week in the Sunday version, but we missed it last year during the email a day experience. I didn't want us to miss it. This year, May 1, along with being May Day, it's also celebrated in some traditions, especially Celtic ones, as Beltane read through to the end and we'll close with some of the Beltane blessing. Now some thoughts on some of the lectionary texts. Acts 8, 26 to 40, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This is not the disciple apostle Philip whose day we just observed. This is Philip, one of the seven deacons whom Stephen organized to care for the poor. They scattered once Stephen was stoned then began preaching and evangelizing far and wide. In verses 4 to 13, Philip has amazed people in Samaria, including Simon the magician, whom he apparently baptized. Now, the angel of the Lord directs him elsewhere, and in this story, it is clear that it is God the Spirit who is actually doing things. Philip does what he is told to do, but seems less impressive. So this Ethiopian official was a eunuch. We don't hear much about eunuchs today. Would he be in a somewhat similar situation to a trans person today? I don't know. Then with the chariot was just parked by the road, the spirit keeps prodding Philip along. How can I understand unless someone helps me? Well, who helps or has helped you? Here's water. Can I be baptized? Where did that idea come from? Had Philip talked about believers getting baptized? How would you have answered the fellow? Philip was snatched away. So now who's going to help the Ethiopian? The good news breaking through barriers, religious, political, geographical. What barriers does it face today? Psalm 22, 25 to 31. So this is the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Psalm. The title says, to the tune, a deer at dawn. 
Sounds like a pleasant tune, unless maybe the deer is getting hunted at dawn. Note verses 19 to 21, the psalmist calls on God to save. Verses 22 to 24, promises praise in the congregation. Verse 25 to 31, the psalmist does praise God, paying his vow. How do you think about this kind of bargaining with God? In verse 21 22, the psalm moves from plea to praise. <clears throat> verse 22 to 24, the family image. Verse 25 to 26, the congregation. Verse 27 31, all the world. And note in verse 26, the poor will eat. In verse 29, the rich will bow down. Is there a suggestion that those in the congregation tend towards poverty? Those in the world tend towards wealth? Would that still hold today? One writer suggests verse 26 is describing a festive meal. With the last line, quote, with the last line, a toast from a reveler intoxicated with wine and gratitude, end quote. When was the last time you were intoxicated with gratitude? Verse 29, those who are dying, the past. Verse 31, people not yet born future. To a, people not, to a people yet unborn suggests a confidence in the future. Do we have a confidence in the future or not? With politics breaking down, climate change, rise of extreme nationalism in different countries, what do we proclaim to the future? All the earth will remember. Does that mean all the people or more than that? Particularly when paired with the psalm, the theme of universality stands out. God has dominion, rules over nations. Verse 28. How's that working out? Psalms are expressed in general terms so that each one can individualize what is expressed. If you're caught up in the suffering themes of verse 1 to 21, how do you individualize them? And if you're caught up with the praise and rejoicing of 2231, again, how do you individualize it? <clears throat> first John 4, 7 to 21. Okay, hands up. Who's getting a little tired of First John? Kind of seems at first glance like a lot of platitudes. We remember John was addressing a community that may have been as polarized religiously as ours culture is politically. Verse 7 to 12 is about love. Verse 13, reasons to know and trust that we abide in and with God. First reason, the Spirit. Second, Jesus. Love is a commandment and a gift. It's a mystery paradox. The place of fear in faith. How does that settle out for you? Our human capacity to love is derivative, not original. But love comes from God, even if we do not recognize or acknowledge it. <clears throat> John 18, 1 to 8, another I am statement. How is vine branches the same or different from shepherd sheep? Remember, this is part of Jesus' final words to the disciples after his last, his after last supper remarks. It's a little contrived. And note that at the end of Chapter 14, Jesus says, let us be going. 
These words are addressed to a moving, growing, elsewhere-oriented community. Pruning. Individuals get pruned. Congregations get pruned. What has been pruned in your life? Can a person self-prune? What would you prune away if you could? One writer notes that this passage is the high density of the word abide, which is a significant word in the New Testament. Ask for whatever you wish. How do you think about that? We are called to the gracious experience of investing our lives in Jesus. That's a quote worth thinking about. Fruit bearing. Here is perhaps not so much Paul's fruits of the Spirit idea as it is preaching and witnessing. Some, some congregations, some individuals are cut away, removed. Some are pruned. Both are painful experiences. How does one know which is happening? Craddock suggests churches that move through hardship to greater commitment have been pruned. Those who pull back for their own comfort and security have been removed. Individuals as well. Then here's a piece from Eberhard Arnold that came to my inbox this week. It seemed to resonate with these passages. He says, It is a simple thing, joy in everything that lives. Anyone who can rejoice in life, in other people, in the fellowship of church community, anyone who feels joy in the mutual relationships of trust and inner fellowship, such a person experiences what love is. Anyone who cannot feel joy cannot live. Only where there is joy do love and justice dwell. We need the spirit of joy to overcome the gloomy spirit of covetousness, the spirit of unjust mammon and its deadly hate. We can only have such joy if we have faith and if we believe that the earth has a future. Finally then, here's part of the Celtic Beltane blessing. Bless, O Lord. No. Bless, O threefold, true and bountiful, myself, my spouse, and my children, my tender children and their beloved mother at their head, on the fragrant plain, on the gay mountain shaling, on the fragrant plain, on the gay mountain shaling. Everything within my dwelling or in my possession, all kind and crops, all flocks and corn, from Hallow's Eve to Beltane Eve, with goodly progress and gentle blessing from sea to sea, and every river mouth from wave to wave and base of waterfall. Bless everything and every one of this little household by my side. Place the cross of Christ on us with the power of love till we see the land of joy, till we see the land of joy. That's what I got for now. <laughs>